Welcome to Episode 5 of the Bright Spots Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Witten, Program Specialist with the El Dorado Charter Selpa. The Charter Selpa hosted our annual symposium in Sacramento on February 24th, 2022. This year's theme was Embrace What's Possible, and practitioners from across the state of California came together to be celebrated and attend presentations from speakers on topics such as developmental leadership, addressing the social-emotional needs of students, and creating an atmosphere of gratitude in the school community. I was able to interview our keynote speakers, including musician and inspirational speaker Sparsh Shah, youth advocate and educator Donovan Hall, and leadership coach Mickey Porter on the topics they shared at the conference. In addition, I was able to speak with administrators from the Charter Selpa Schools at the Language Academy of Sacramento and iLead Schools on current best practices in their programs and how they are leveraging lessons learned during the COVID-19 pandemic to improve student outcomes in the field. All right, this is Jeremiah Witten, Program Specialist from the El Dorado Charter Selpa. We're here for a live Bright Spots podcast episode at the Embrace What's Possible Symposium in Sacramento. I am lucky to be here with Spar Shaw and Donovan here, both of our speakers for the symposium. So how are you guys doing? Introduce yourselves and tell me a little about, about, about yourself. Okay. Um, hey, everyone. My name is Spar Shaw. I am 18 years old, and I'm a singer, rapper, songwriter, uh, music producer, and inspirational speaker from New Jersey. And I don't know how to follow up after that. <laughs> just uh, kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Nah, come on. Just you're kidding, so... Just kidding. My name is Donovan Taylor Hall. I am a youth advocate. I'm an educator, a speaker, and a coach for kids. And I help kids work on building positive self-identity or building a positive relationship with themselves. And so I just transitioned out of the classroom, and now I'm moving into entertainment education. And hopefully we'll have my own social-emotional show soon for middle school and high school kids. Well, that Whoa. is very impressive as well. Once again, thank you both for joining me here. Thank you. Um, thank you. This is super exciting to be able to snag you. We're actually live in the room next to the symposium. So our <laughs> listeners are getting some behind the scenes action right now. First question, uh, feel free to jump in whenever you like, either of you. What is one way you've embraced what's possible or made it through or succeeded over the past couple of years as we've been going through this COVID-19 pandemic and all the associated challenges? I think for me, COVID was like a very big, I mean, yes, everyone says this, this is so general, but it was really a reflection time for me. It was the time I fell in love with my art all over again. It was the time that, you know, I really went full on with, yo, I got to transform. And I think the biggest thing I got out of COVID was never, ever, 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 ever stop improving. And it doesn't matter what area of your life you're improving in. Although, of course, you know, if you could take on all more areas in your life at a time, that's always better. But, um, yeah, you know, I think that's what I've gotten out of COVID. Just success is an infinite mountain. There is no summit. The pandemic is obviously really horrific in lots of ways. And I think the thing that was hardest was supporting kids during it. But I've had a vision for doing this work with kids for a long time before the, you know, word social emotional learning kind of came out. I've, I've been talking about what skills can we teach kids to take care of themselves. And so when the pandemic happened and we had to move online, my role as a teacher at the school, I was um, doing this auxiliary class that was a self-skills based class that I, I created. It became so much more about 
creating space for the kids and taking care of them and helping them take care of themselves. And so I was able to kind of change my entire curriculum to really focus on what skills and tools can I give kids to take care of themselves in the moments where they don't know how to ask for help or they don't have that kind of support. And then I realized, because I've wanted to show people my work with kids for so long, but I never want to make kids be unsafe. I don't want to make like an unsafe situation for kids by putting them on the internet or showing their faces. It just isn't safe. And people are weird on the internet sometimes. And so I realized like I could record myself talking and teaching without showing the kids. And I finally realized, oh my gosh, I can show my work. And I just got really lucky. TikTok is not something I ever thought that I would do. And my kids made me make one. And then I posted a video of me giving my regular spiel about grades don't matter in terms of my like care for you. And it went viral. And then suddenly I realized like, here's this opportunity to really step into this role because there are not a lot of public influencers who are directly talking to kids and offering them something. And that's something that bums me out. And so, um, I got really, really lucky and you know, the today show got to like come into my school and do a story about my work. And I, I think for me, what was, what was important was this is such a tough time for everyone. Like there has to be some opportunity for good in here. Right. Because within when, when everything's on fire and when it burns down, you have an opportunity to rebuild. And I just felt like everything was on fire and I just wanted to start this process of taking care of kids um, and helping them take care of themselves because the kids who went through the pandemic and online learning, they've been through something that none of the adults have. And we don't know what their experience is like. And we are making the rules and talking to them as if we know what they need, but no one's asking them or talking to them about what their experience Ooh. is. Yeah, so that's, um, it just seemed like a really good opportunity to really hang on to that or really to lift that vision up that I've been hanging on to for a long time. And I'm just really lucky and very grateful to be here now because two years ago I was like trying to edit my first TikTok video and now I'm like giving a speech at a conference. So I'm super excited. I'd say you're incredibly blessed. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And that's why I'm doing that gratitude. Wait till you hear it. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Wait till you hear it. So the Eldorado Charter Soap is a special ed organization and we're really concerned um, about supporting people with disabilities in the K through 12 education system and beyond. What was your experience like Sparsh in school and how has that shaped uh, the person that you're today? I think in, in terms of the academic side, I, I've always been like, and I don't want to say this in a, in a way of bragging, and straight-A student is a very general way of saying it, but, you know, my dad and I, we used to have this rule, um, you know, 90% and up, you know, and I and I stayed that like that from, for pretty much my entire high school career, and now I'm in college. I mean, sorry, not high school, my entire school career. But, um, yeah, you know, I was always a, a, a big achiever in, like, in, in the academic side, and also at the same time, you know, um, my family and, and, you know, my teachers would always help me out when time came for me to start going around the nation and around the world to start giving performances. And sometimes it was tough because sometimes it's like, you know, equal responsibility for every student kind of thing, which I, it, it makes sense. And I completely understand it at the same time. It's like, all right, well, I have a different schedule and I have also other, these other responsibilities. So managing that is extremely, you know, crucial. It's, it's, it's extreme. It's difficult. In terms of the entire school environment, it was very interesting because what I came to realize is like, I'm so thankful that I am in this position that I'm at because 
the fact that I have a visible physical disability forced me to realize from an early age that you cannot fit in when you were born to stand out. Mm. But so many people who don't think they have those things, they, they don't have uh, something visible, a visible disability, or they don't have a disability. And I don't believe in a normal. I don't mm. believe we're all different. Mm. But that's the thing. Most of my peers, I don't think they realize that. And it's like we're trying to fit in and, and everyone wants to fit in. I know that I've struggled with that a lot. I still do. But at the same time, you got to stand out first. And it may take years for this to happen, you know. But if you're if you stand out, the right circle will gather around you. And I think also being a musician and having a fan base, that really also showed me that because a musician has to stand out, show people this is my music, this is who I am as an artist, and that's how you build a fan base. People like you and they start coming to you. That's how I came here. So, you know, I mean, as a musician and speaker. So that's what I've realized as a student, um, is that why you cannot fit in when you were born to stand out, or in my case, sit out. So when I, the work that I do with kids, and it's interesting because this is what you were just talking about a lot too, is I think that a lot of this need to fit in is, is it's a very human need. And it goes all the way back to literally, if I'm not a part of the tribe, I die, right? And it feels so dramatic and it feels so intense, but we haven't gotten rid of that. But I think also within there is, is this, the need for connection. You know, but what I try to work That's with it. kids on too, yeah, you know what I mean? Is that because you can look at it either way. You can say it's like, you just want to be popular or you just want to be connected because that's a human experience that everyone deserves to have. And what I try to do with kids too is, is to help them connect with themselves first. Because I think like what you were saying is when you, for you to stand out, you have to stand out to yourself first. And I think that um, the most important relationship in my opinion that you can have in your life is the relationship with yourself because it is the only one that is promised to you. It's the only one that will go with you for your entire life. Like no one else, nothing else is permanent except for you are you. But we spend such little time teaching kids how to take care of themselves and how to like themselves and how to have a positive relationship um, with themselves. And this is why the self-help industry for adults is, you know, $14 billion last year or something wild like that. And it's, it's just really sad. But on the other hand, you have kids who are, um, you know, harming themselves because they're so disconnected and academics are just one part of youth development. And I feel like unless you're lucky and you have parents or teachers or mentors or access to programs where you get to explore these other sides of you, if you are just being validated through academics, that puts so many kids in a place of who am I? What am I doing here? I don't really connect with this. Am I just a letter? Yeah, exactly. And you think about all the kids who fall in between the high achievers who we pay attention to and the people who are struggling who we try to pay attention to as well. But what about the kids in the in-between? Right. What happens to them? Yeah. What happens to them? Seriously. What happens to them? They're there. They're there having their own experience. And for the most part, not being guided in it and not being seen in it, you know, and I've had so many conversations with kids who are just like shocked that I'm talking to them and want to know what their ideas are and things like that, because they didn't, they didn't think that they have any value to offer. It's, it's always like those stereotypes about like, you know, the quiet kids Mm -hmm. and the, 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 you know, the kids who have ideas but they, they don't get called on. Mm-hmm. And also like the kids that are quiet because they don't want to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you get them to contribute? And it's like, yeah, I love that. You know, you're taking a, you're, you're looking at all the different roles and all the different, you know, facets of 
I guess, human personality that make up a classroom. And it's that's because every classroom is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether you like it or not, and you're teach even if you're teaching the same subject, yeah, you can't. I mean, I I know I know like we the education in the system has been talking about it for a long time, but. It's high time we stop thinking about cookie cutter. Yeah, you know, seriously, seriously. Well, and I think it's so important what you're doing, Donovan, at, at connecting to the social emotional yeah. health of kids in schools mm-hmm. now. Because I think a lot of times we've been focusing over the last two years on the pandemic mm-hmm. and all of the negative things and the trauma associated with that and the fear of of the, the illness and that. But all of the things that kids were facing mm-hmm. before the pandemic mm-hmm. in homes in schools, mm-hmm. socially, yeah. physically, all of that continued mm-hmm. through the pandemic. And they've been experiencing those things and going through all of that with the pandemic mm-hmm. on top of it. And it's, it's a multiplier, right? Yeah. And so it's so important to remember that these adverse childhood experiences and ACEs mm-hmm. that kids are going through normally that we have to be supporting them through are all multiplied by this COVID thing. And so keying in on what you're doing with kids and really trying to get the word out about social emotional evaluation and supports Mm -hmm. uh, for kiddos, it's so important. And so I'm so glad we get to have you on today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here, especially with such a significantly impactful youth. Super excited to have you both again. Thank Thank you you for joining me. I'm glad I got to pull you over and ask you a few questions for our listeners. Good luck in your presentations. And thank you once again for coming uh, to present at the Embrace What's Possible conference. Thank you. Thank you. I am here with Mickey Porter, one of our excellent keynote speakers here at the Embrace What's Possible Symposium. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do to support uh, individuals, schools, uh, people in our community? You bet. You bet. I Right now, I am a leadership coach and facilitator. I am a certified Dare to Lead facilitator for Brene Brown's work. And that aspect of my work uh, kind of infuses itself into everything else I do. I do a lot of coaching, especially with women leaders, and then I do a lot of facilitation of groups who might be hit a, you know, hit a bump in the road and how they're working together. So I use a lot of the work from Dr. Brene Brown and infuse it into those two other areas of my work as well. Uh, one of my biggest takeaways was the quote from Brene Brown that you shared, who you are is how you lead. I was wondering if you might be able to recap what you shared with us today for our podcast listeners on that quote. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. That quote has not only changed my leadership, but changed my life. And that's my goal in the work that I do now is to help leaders to realize that the who they are part is the part that really will make the difference in their leadership. That an understanding and having that self-awareness and then hopefully even self-love is is just the basic level of what we need as leaders in order to move forward and make an impact. So I'm really glad. I'm excited that that's what came through because that's where my heart is. So, What is the most important thing for our listeners to take away from today about leadership? Mm-hmm. I almost would say that it's a very personal thing. And it's something that I know myself when I look back in my leadership career as a young leader, I thought leadership was about telling people what to do and getting stuff done. And I was very good at both. But as I look back, the piece of leadership that now I see and that in the good leaders I can recognize immediately is that they've done the personal work needed to know who they are and to show up in that as they lead others. And to get past them, my job is 
to get stuff done, but instead my stuff is my, my job is to inspire others to want to build their own capacity in their leadership as well. Well, thank you so much for popping in and giving us some quality uh, sound bites here. I'm sure our listeners will greatly appreciate it. Can you tell us where uh, interested listeners could get a hold of more information about uh, what you do, potentially your books, websites, that type of stuff? Great. My website is plusoneleadership.com, all spelled out. Um, go there and you'll find me and see what I do and let's connect. During the conference, I was able to sit down with Eduardo de Leon, Executive Director at the Language Academy of Sacramento, and Dr. Amanda Bukite, Regional Student Support Coordinator for iLead Schools, to discuss key ways their programs are currently supporting students with disabilities and their families. This question is for both panelists. What do you think is the most important thing for our listeners to come away with uh, when it comes to what your LEA is doing uh, to support your students? I think at iLead, our mission statement is free to think and inspire to lead. And we encourage all of our staff to dream big. And I think it started with the pandemic and us looking at where are our students and what needs do they have and how we can meet them. We have hundreds of students that were already doing telehealth and virtual services. But now with the pandemic, we had these mental health concerns and just pandemic concerns of kids not being able to be outside. So our counseling department really pioneered giving students access to things that they hadn't had in the past. So our counseling lead, our counseling lead um, developed some programs that kids had access to every single day. We have coping skills groups that are led by counselors. We have webinars that families can attend um, asynchronously. We have live instruction that happens um, once or twice a month on Friday mornings for families to attend to get support in those areas. And then we even have group counseling services that can just be referred from a parent or an educational facilitator that has concerns in that area. So we've dreamed big during the pandemic, and the speech and language department is looking to dream big and model some of our um, supports after what they've already done. We were caught, like everyone else, in a situation where we had to make quick moves and adjust and or readjust. Um, I, I think one of my key takeaways and not unique to our school is that if you were a school or a district that didn't have good working order, then it was impossible to fake it once the pandemic started. Like if you were already crumbling, then the pandemic just made that very clear to, to the world. Um, in our case, I think what was made really clear is that we're a really strong community that we have really strong um, uh, modes of communication that are in place. Uh, that we had really strong relationships with our families and with our kids. And so I think that during this period, we were able to seize upon that um, and really ensure that, you know, families were able to continue feeling supported, that if they had concerns, that they were able to reach out to us uh, about those and, and so that we can make adjustments. Uh, I think that our, our staff understood that one of the biggest opportunities during the pandemic was continuing to build relationships. Um, and now that we have kids that are back in, in seats, um, certainly that that continues. Uh, we know that kids that feel good or, or respect the teacher or respect staff members are, are more likely to want to learn around them. And so I think that that relationship building is, is really the most important thing that we've been able to continue um, during the pandemic. 
Thank you so much. One of the big questions we ask our panelists on Bright Spots often is, can you tell me, either of you or both of you, uh, something that's made you smile over the past couple weeks at work or at home? I'll go. I think because we have this idea of dreaming big and instilling leadership and instilling leadership at every single faucet and every single level within staff is we encourage them to lay their dreams out and think about them. And so I talked earlier about our counseling department grabbing hold and looking at what our students needed. And the speech and language department has recently begun to do that and lay their dreams out. And we have started thinking about where are our kids? What do we need? What are we doing right? And what can we do better? And out of that, our department, the speech and language department, has listed and drafted their ideas of programming that we can put in support starting next year. So one of the things that we saw with the pandemic with students being home was a huge increase in special education referrals because parents that were not used to teaching their children were now teaching their children and they were seeing those areas of weaknesses or deficits that they may have never seen before. So our push this year from January moving forward is to provide additional supports through MTSS and those multi-tiered systems of supports to catch our students and our learners prior to them needing the special education. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. I, um, well, first I'll say that uh, something funny that has happened, I, I shared earlier that I also COVID test every once in a while. And so a kid walked in the other day to get a COVID test and her first question was, which arm? And I had to remind her that I wasn't going to give her a shot, that I was only going to COVID test her. So that was a funny moment. Um, but I was reminded just that we have had great opportunities to engage families in a different way. Uh, we were always proud of the fact that we had great attendance at our you know, parent meetings that were held on site. And when we were forced because of the situation to go into Zoom or to have, um, you know, th these meetings in a different format, what we saw was that the same people that would attend regularly were there, plus other folks that, you know, because of work schedules or because it's easier to check into a meeting when you're, at, when you're cooking at home or when the kids are around, um, that we were seeing higher levels of attendance. And so... For us, really, one of the big takeaways is also that even as things potentially return to normal, um, that we're going to continue to do this in the same way. Um, we're going to continue to have these options for families um, to meet, you know, through Zoom if, if that's what works for them. Um, and so really just adapting in the same way that we would in the classroom, right, to the, to the diverse needs of our students. Um, we're, we're now, I think, uh, getting a little bit better at responding to the diverse needs of our families. Can you share with our listeners... Um how they might be able to learn more, any resources or websites, learn more about your programs? Yeah, so the Language Academy of Sacramento is located in Sacramento. So if you are in this area, we, again, are a TK through 8, 100% uh, dual language immersion program that is available uh, to students not only whose first language is Spanish, but any other language, including English, um, certainly for students that have special education needs. And you can look us up on the internet at www.lasac.info and learn more about our program uh, as well as uh, access contact information uh, about our staff. If you're interested in more information about ILEAD student support programs and the difference that they're making, you can visit us at our website 
https colon backslash backslash iLeadStudentSupport.org. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I'm really excited uh, that our listeners get to benefit from your knowledge and experience and what you've been doing to embrace what's possible. Enjoy the rest of the conference. For more valuable program building and instructional resources, visit the Charter SELPA Online Learning Center under the Professional Development tab at our website, www.charterselpa.org. You can subscribe to the Charter SELPA Bright Spots podcast on the iPhone podcast app, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And please leave a five-star rating and review if you liked our episode today. The Bright Spots crew and everyone on the El Dorado County Office of Education team, thank you for listening. 